Hello, my name is Gitis Repechka. I am Lithuanian technology professional and I would like to welcome you to my new podcast. It is one week to biggest gaming event in Vilnius called Game On. So in my first episode, I decided to stream my last year's interview with Dutch independent video game developer Rami Ismail. First of all, thank you for your great speech you gave no yesterday. Worries. I really took a few notes and I liked several key points, especially that uh, it's utmost important to make first impression and that uh, basically the gaming happens in the player so it's yeah. always up to like the mindset of the player how, how do you uh, come up to certain things now I was wondering uh, what are your ideas or suggestions how a game developer should receive feedback uh, for, from uh, from the gamers you know with all these privacy issues and stuff probably it's quite difficult to track each and every movement of gamer, you know, when the privacy comes into Yes. So, uh, especially with the GDPR in Europe, uh, the main thing is you're not allowed to collect identifiable information. So if you can trace something back to an individual player, that's not allowed. What we're allowed to do is we're allowed to track cumulative information. Mm -hmm. So across all players. So we can track where people go, uh, we can track what kind of weapons they use, what kind of items they use, how far they get into the game, as long as we can't trace it back to one individual person. So. Um, in a way, we still have access to the most important analytics that we need to make good games. The other thing we obviously as developers need to, need to be good at is listening to players. And I don't mean listening exactly to what they're saying. I mean trying to find out what they're actually trying to say. Because a lot of people, when they play a game, they go, well, this boss fight is too hard. But they might not mean the boss fight is too hard. They might mean that the weapons they have at that point aren't good enough, or the amount of health they have is too low, or there was no health back in the room before, the arena is too small, or the hazards are too big. So a lot of game development is trying to figure out what data or what feedback is actually trying to say. And it's uh, honestly one of my favorite challenges about game design is not everything is always as it seems. And that's kind of the fun puzzle of it. And at the same time, does it mean that offline games are pretty much dead now? Well, I think offline games are in a tough spot, but it's not because of uh, it's not because of anything related to privacy or feedback. It's because, in a way, um, live streaming and uh, the sort of like the attention market has changed so much that having a game that people can play over and over that's uh, not a challenge you have to design, but rather a challenge that uh, other players create. Uh, it's both more economical. It's it's not necessarily cheaper, but it, it takes less effort in the long run. You can keep the game running for as long as you want, and people can keep streaming it as long as there's audience. So, in a way, a lot of the pressure on the games industry to make repeatable online experiences comes from how people find their games, and that's mostly through influencers. So, that's why those games get made. And one uh, one uh, like final question. Uh, now, it's uh, diversity is always uh, a hot topic. Uh, you know about uh, equal rights, ensuring uh, you know uh, various kind of issues. Uh, do you uh, do you see, see how to when uh, developers make the games, how to ensure diversity in such a way that it would, wouldn't uh, look uh, very forced? Like recently, I'll just give a very short example. In uh, Call of Duty World War II game, I was. Uh, watching one uh, very nice stream uh, by one of the gamers and he was showing an example that okay like here is the character who is uh, black uh, 
as if diversity is ensured because there is a black person, uh, but uh, it, he's not uh, included into plot enough to look uh, like it's natural. So how to trace, uh, how to tackle such problem? I, I think one of the biggest problems with games is that traditionally it's been very uh, homogenous. It's been kind of like the same kind of characters over and over, which means that when you do a new type of character or a character that normally isn't represented as much, it always feels forced. And there's not much you can do about that. If you would make the main character black, and people would say, well, that's forced because now the main character is black, but nobody else is. And if you make like five characters black, then people say, well, that's forced. Because if you, same thing with females, same thing with people being gay or uh, transgender or from certain like religious backgrounds or ideologies. Uh, so, or, or with disabilities, you know, like any, any type of diversity always feels forced. But the reason it feels forced is because there isn't a lot of it. If a lot of games were thinking about these things and, and uh, working with these things, then a black character being a background character wouldn't be an issue. Because it would just be a character, just like every other character. But because they're rare, they stand out. And because they stand out, they feel forced. And it's one of the challenges that a lot of game developers have, is when we want to work on diversity, we have to be aware that no matter what we do, it's going to be wrong. It's always going to be wrong. There's always going to be people pissed off that it's included. There's going to be pissed off people pissed off that it's not included enough. There's going to be people that are pissed off that it's kind of like them, but not enough, right? Uh, so no matter what we do, it'll always be wrong. But that doesn't mean it's wrong to do. It means that it's right to do. And that character in Call of Duty World War II, maybe, the, maybe it isn't the best implementation, right? Maybe it could have been better. But no matter what, in the next Call of Duty game, it'll be easier. Because in World War II there was that character. And in the game after that, it'll be easier because in the previous game there was that character. So diversity is not a fight we just win. It's not a fight that it's not a it's not a uh, it's not an issue we can just solve. It takes generations of games to fix this. And I think over the years we've gotten better at it. And over the years we've gotten better at, you know, including stories that aren't just like American soldiers save the world, but also like, you know, uh, or British soldiers saving the world, we're starting to see like experiences that are different, like this War of Mine, uh, Lila, uh, games like that. It's like, okay, or The Witcher, uh, where it's different stories from different people, from different histories. And I'm honestly, I'm excited to see like Lithuanian games, see like what history or mythology there is there. I want to see those stories, I want to hear those stories because I think games will be richer if we have those stories. So I'm just looking forward to it. I'm just, I'm excited. Oh, very nice. And just one more quick. Sure. Now, uh, uh, you see that uh, in, in this event as well, we do see uh, lots of young gamers uh, here in the event. It's very nice to see that there's such a, uh, importance for them already, already now uh, to attend such events and so on. Yeah. Uh, what do you think uh, could be a good uh, the ways to ensure that, I mean, uh, two young people does, uh, do not uh, kind of uh, reach certain... Uh, information or such in that sense that it uh, could be violent or to form some uh, behavior how to ensure like for example gta 3 when i was a uh, teenager i was playing it but at that time it was rated from uh, 21 year in yeah. us if not mistaken so it was yeah adults I how to tackle this problem i think i think in a way one of the one of the interesting challenges of games is that as a generational thing the people that currently have power didn't grow up with games. The people that are in government that make laws, they didn't grow up around games. 
everybody I know, almost everybody I know, plays games, right? Whether it's casual games, mobile games, or AAA games, indie games, experimental games, violent games. Um, all of them are normal, adjusted humans that just, you know, have entertainment. In the same way, some people watch comedy movies, and other people watch Die Hard, and other people watch Saw. Those people are not, like, better or worse people for what movies they watch, and I think the same thing is true for games. Now, obviously games are unique in that you play a role in those games, and you have active participation, and as an industry, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we follow and perform the research we need to make sure we're not damaging people. And over the years, we've done that as an industry. We've done research to make sure that games do not make people more violent, that games do not make uh, people more aggressive, that they don't create uh, hurtful uh, ideas in people. And as long as we take that seriously and we take responsibility where we can with the age rating system, stuff like that, I think we're not different from other media. We're just a media that is often misunderstood. Now, does that mean that games don't communicate messages? No, absolutely we communicate messages. What's the point otherwise? So if there are games that convey messages that are hurtful or problematic or damaging, uh, messages about domestic violence or messages about, um, you know, um, uh, racism or other things, then we have to be very careful about what those games are saying. And I'm not saying that every game needs to be perfect in their tone or in their message. I'm just saying that as an industry, we also have that responsibility to make sure that if we communicate and what we communicate fits the moral standards of our of our time and of, of our people. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to agree. It just means that we have to be aware that games have power. And if games have power, then we have responsibility for our speech. Thank you. That's it for now. I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of my podcast. Make sure to visit my blog at gyt.is and subscribe. See you soon and I'd like to leave you with a short tune from last year's Game On Game Music Concert where Vitautas Magnus University Chamber Orchestra played many tunes including Angry Birds. Mm -hmm.